It was all a pipe dream Watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at reef, watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah, we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe Buying Riptide Eating shit pies Maybe get high Yeah, we're killing it, we're killing it Alright, g'day and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding And thank you for joining us on episode 29 of our Verbal Journaling And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor Today, ladies and gents, we have none other than Ty Lander Richardson Plaster. He is a creative genius. At the very least, he has featured in so many industry films, so many industry, so many just, I don't even know how to describe a tiger. I could go on for days with superlatives, man, but like you've done some wild and unbelievable things. You've pulled them off and you're sitting here today for chat on the uh, the old Riptide Luke's Lounge. How the fuck are you? <laughs> that was perfect, man. Um, yeah, I feel like I am a bit of a wild card and it's kind of sometimes hard to put, like, your finger on me. <laughs> that sounded weird. Um, yeah, I guess it was interesting. I, I remember, like, um, a mate of mine I was with, like, a month ago and he's like, oh, I'm, we started talking about it. I won't say who it is just because it doesn't really matter. But, um he said, yeah, I'm a full wild card and, like, I could really relate to it. Um, so, yeah, I get that I'm not the easiest guy to, to pin down or kind of understand. Um, sometimes I don't understand myself. Um, but, yeah, appreciate it. So stoked to be here. Um, Riptide's beyond iconic. Um, and, yeah, love what you're doing, Luke. Um, I could probably could do a pretty good intro for you too, but um, maybe another Thanks. time. I've, I've got some exciting news I can share at the end of this podcast. but. For now, let's um, let's rip in. Yeah, bloody oath, man. And um, you know, I, I just want to touch on you talking about Riptide, and I really appreciate the kind words. And and it it is kind of hard to nail you down, man, because you are very elusive. You are so skilled in what you do. And um, going back to that Riptide point, you you know, dropping a bit of a truth bomb on me earlier about you starting out as the work experience fella for Riptide back in the day. How the f- how the bloody hell was that? Yeah, that was amazing. So that would have been – so we did work experience at the end of year 10, don't we? So that would have been, um, I reckon, 2000, 2001. So just after we realised the world wasn't going to um, blow up from the from the bug, um, the Y2K bug, <laughs> I, I actually – stayed there for a bit, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I didn't even catch on to the doomsday part. Um, you know, for me, that time of my life was just – I couldn't, you couldn't get any more obsessed than bodyboarding for me. Um, I was right into my soccer growing up and then kind of wanted to make something of that um, just because I loved it um, and I had a killer left foot on me. But, See, yeah, once, did you, once did you play on the left side of the field, like what, what was your position? Um, no, I usually play midfield. Is, can you hear those beeps, by the way? Look, I can, man, but occasionally I get them too and I try to mute yeah. them from time to time, but they're always different chats that come up. So don't worry about it, bro. It's well, I can't mute it because it's on, my, it's on my laptop, so it's coming through there. But, yeah, oh, I, no, I played, played in the midfield mainly. Um, but, yeah, loved the technical side of soccer and pl- played rep, played um, Southern Branch, which is kind of like the big league on the South Coast. But, look, as soon as uh, my stepdad got me a bodyboard, that was done. Like I had this lucky egg that I had in my top drawer, like the cool runnings guy. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yep. I love that movie. So I had my own lucky egg. <laughs> Would you give I, it a kiss every now and again, little rub? Yeah, before every game, man. Yeah. That's and, um, and just when I um, 
when I was like, I'm not really loving soccer anymore. I opened my drawer one morning and it was broken. I hadn't hard boiled it. So it literally was just, it was, just, it was so rank. It was like a rotten egg. And, um, and I basically just gave up, gave up soccer from there. So, and had the bodyboard, but yeah, when I did work experience. Yes, that was a bit of an omen for you. That was like, I'm cutting ties with soccer here because yeah. me eggs, me eggs done a number on me. Yeah, me eggs done a number on me and just started to, to get the, the real obsession for bodyboarding, you know, like I was around yeah. 13, I think I was around 13. Um, and yeah, there was a core group or well, mainly just Bryce Thurston, really. He was like the most technical obsessed bodyboarder and um they were like kind of like my brothers those guys so we can probably chat about that, those guys at some point but moving on to the work experience thing um baby sorry just to go back to where you um grew up yeah. in your childhood entering bodyboarding man i just wanted to touch on Bermagui. like yeah. that place is just such a beautiful scenic part of the south coast and it's deep south really for a lot of people say sydney siders at least they don't really want to drive too far and and your part of the woods is probably some of the most pristine parts on the south coast and littered with waves obviously is that what drew you to bodyboarding at the, at the time it was that you know adventurous scale of the coast and you just been a young man growing up and and finding yourself yeah well I, I was in Naruma till um year six and then my sister wanted to go to high school in Bega so she wanted to move mum thought oh we'll move to Bermagui because then Rune my sister's name's Rune R-U-N-E and I'm Tig. so we both grew up with pretty unique names and really unique childhood actually but um, mum was like, Naruma's probably not going to work for us anymore, so let's move to Bermagui. So I'd moved to Bermagui in year six, so then Maroon could go to Bega. But then I had to catch the high school bus from Bermagui, get dropped off at Naruma High, and then I had to walk from Naruma High to Naruma Primary, which was like a half an hour walk. Um, and my mum was a bit of a hippie growing up, so she was kind of just like, you do you, in a way. Very, like, love, love my mum. But um, crazy amounts of freedom. Um, which maybe helped me be obsessed with bodyboarding because she'd let me go bodyboarding whenever for as long as I want. Um, I could come home at 10 p.m., you know. If we surfed till 9 o'clock, mum would be okay if I came home at 10. And if the waves were oh, pumping, yeah. she wouldn't mind if I didn't go to school. So um, That's wild. But, That's so yeah. cool. That would definitely have aided your, um, you know, your your quick adaptive ability, man. You, 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 if you only started at the age of 13 and, what the you know, the heights you got to with your skill level and tackling 25-footers at – you know, unknown locations down the south coast. Like that's that's insane, bro. Like hats off. That's yeah, that's amazing. Just, thank thank you, brother. Um, I think I think having Bryce around, just just how obsessed he was, and he would always film. So we'd always get filmed, and we'd like take shifts and stuff. So he had the Sony um, FS. No, sorry, that's the new tech. Just completely forgotten that camera. All the skaters use it. Um, I would have oh, no it's idea. A, it's a famous camera. It's an, it was a three-chip camera, but, um, yeah, he had that camera and that was kind of like um, top of the line at the time. But, yeah, we just film each other. So we were able to watch back a lot of footage and just a pure obsession for Ryan as well, um, Hardy, like just hours and hours of, of studying Ryan. Um, but I was never probably as technical as those guys and, and I didn't always love to surf for as long. I feel like we're completely off track, but that's exactly what happens in podcasts. So we'll just keep rolling. Like not off track. Yeah, but I'm, 100%, man. No, we're, no. We're I'm feeling yeah. the journey. It's epic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so just the amount of footage we'd watch of Ryan. and But, yeah, I was like I could never surf for like five hours, you know. Like I'd kind of get over it after like three, maybe four if it was really good. But 
Those guys That's still wouldn't... a solid amount of time in the water, man. To be perfectly honest, you think about a five-set five tennis match and how long they go for. Yes, they occasionally go for five hours, but generally it's around like the three- to four-hour mark. A set's done yeah. in like in between like, you know, 35, 45 to 50 minutes and then within four to five sets done. You think about a serve. You're constantly paddling against elements. Like if you're out in 10-foot plus, you're constantly battling the like, – the elements and they're throwing everything at you and you've got your heart rate jacking through the roof, not just from exercising, but actually from fearful moments. I know you can get nervous playing top line sport and there's obviously a lot on the line, but you know, there's a lot of other things that top line athletes probably don't realize um, bodyboarders and surfers and anyone who, you know, is an avid ocean lover and enjoys spend their time there, what they actually go through on a day-to-day basis, just on a regular surf for them. Yeah, for sure. But those guys, like Glenn and Bryce, for instance, they just would not come in, you know, like they could surf all day. And I don't think I was really born to be a bodyboarder or a surfer. Like I think I'm a born creative and maybe business as well. Yeah. So I think part of me was always not able to like fully immerse myself in it. So I guess that's kind of why I got into big waves. Like I was, I could do air reverses. I reckon I've only done like four backflips in my entire life and I think I've only landed two. So <laughs> <laughs> um, backies, like back when I was bodyboarding, it wasn't like everyone could do backies anyway. Like I had a good ARS, yeah. but um, I could never do backflips on trampolines. I could never do backflips off bridges. Dude, neither. I'm so bad at them. Every one of my <laughs> flips always an ARS, and it's always ugly and not like pinned to the board. There's some people like, you know, for example, say Tom Robb or Mitch Rawlins or, you know. Jake Stone, for sure, and, I reckon. Yeah, Jake Stone. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. almost going to mentioned in prime man like the relationship yeah. you have with jake and the amount of times you would have filmed him doing a perfect backflip oh. you would have just been just in awe man and he he's a very special bodyboarder when when you look at him he is he would yeah. he would have to be the cream of the crop and and Jake's he just pushed the boundaries yeah he's the hardest customer though like um yeah just just his moods um which makes him what he is like he's fully balanced out now um but him as a bodyboarder was pretty gnarly to be around but yeah. it was so worth it. But, um, yeah, like I remember we once almost had a fight, you know, and I'm not a fighter at all. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, so passionate about what he's doing and what you're doing too. Yeah, but then also so angry at the world as well. So it's like, and as a guy that's getting paid and has that skill, you're kind of like, fuck, man, like we would kill to be you, you know? Like I remember when Novi and Tom Robb, um, like when Visions 1 came out, I think I was in WA staying at Lee Shapansky's house and we watched it and me and Lee just kind of looked at each other and just went, we're done. Like this this is the end. This is the end of our career because you just couldn't fucking match what they were doing. And I kind of knew it at the time and I guess that's, I think I was like 17, 18. I was sponsored by Function Bodyboards at the time. Um, what about Foreplay? And- when, when did they come in? Yeah, that, that was a good one. That's kind of it was a good one, but it was also it was also maybe my biggest challenge and where I had my biggest kind of um, crossroads. But foreplay was um, I get yeah, this is interesting conversation. But yeah, we're we're fully just it's like almost like a map, aren't we? And we're just jumping jumping from part to part. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping the listeners are kind of following this and, and g'day to everyone out there. Um, I know a few people would be listening to this podcast just because I'm on here and, and that's good. Uh, I know that some people want to know more and this is a Boogan podcast. Um, there's probably heaps of stuff that people want to know about, but probably going to keep it fairly trad related. Um, trad, but, beautiful, beautiful traditional yeah. core 
full yeah. court lawn over here, Tigerlander, oh. Richardson, Plasto. God, I got to talk about your name later too, man. Yeah, because, yeah please do. No, I'm very proud of it. It's just so. Wait, so where were we? Okay, four play was where we we're going to go, but yeah, the name. So yeah, yeah, no, no. So, sorry, please go there. No, no, we are about to Let's cover that off. So yeah, I got mum and dad's surname. So dad was Plasto, mum was Richardson. Um, in school, I was like, that's way too long. And when I became, when I had like a bit of a name, I guess, or as a bodyboarder, or when I was doing competitions. Maybe even Terence McKenna, when I loved your potty, you did with him. I love I love Terry. Um, oh, he's such a good he, air guy. He's he such might a have good said, Great name, but it's just there's too much on it, Tig. And I was like, okay, just drop the plasto then. He was like, Richo, Richo. Richo never really stuck, but um, Tig Richardson is what I had as a bodyboarder. And then because um, plasto was just too long. And I wasn't embarrassed of that name, but it was like a lot. It was a lot of a name, you know, like Tig, Lander, Richardson, plasto, unhyphenated too. Like I've, it was, yeah. it's been a nightmare over the years. Um, to get it on any like, sort of documents and stuff. Yeah, like sometimes I wouldn't even like like my credit card and stuff for a while wasn't even my name, and I was like, holy shit, this is actually something like I could do anything with this, but I didn't quite get tempted enough. But um, yeah, and then when <laughs> yeah. I got into, when I got into film, to it like second yeah, identity. Yeah, yeah, that's I was thinking, yeah, I've got another one too, but um, that wasn't too. Credit card. <laughs> you got and that aliases, man. I'm back here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a few aliases for sure, um, but. Yeah, so and then when I got into film, I was like, oh, Tigerland is pretty solid. I guess a film name is your brand. And it, same with the bodyboard. Your name is kind of everything. And then, like, again, back to, like, Michael Novi, like, what a name. Tom Robb, Jake Stone, Mitch yeah. Rollins, Ryan Hardy, like, these fucking names. Dave Winchester, it's yeah, – these, these guys are born. These guys are born. Nick Yeah, born. Nick Cornell's okay. Chris James, amazing. Cornell's good, but probably not as good as those ones, even though he's definitely – as good as those guys, if not better. But um, yeah, the name, yeah. So Tigerlander, I just took that on my film name. But yeah, I just, I just got mum and dad's surnames. You know, um, like it was Icona's probably your mum's name. But if you had your dad's name, you just chuck that on the end too. So both my parents were filmmakers yeah. too, and they had a bit of a career. It's a, it's a big conversation, so we don't need to go into it now. But I think they both thought. Bob Plasto. Plasto, yeah, Bob Plasto. Yeah, I don't want to lose Bob my Plasto, name. Sorry. Bob, yep, that's my son's middle name too, Bob. So, but. Um, yeah, they just didn't want to lose their name, so they kept them. But, yeah, so back to foreplay, though. Um, yeah, so anyway, we were at, I was in WA at Leisha Pansky's. The Visions one came out, and it was just Unbelievable kind of like, bodyboarding. i got to me, got to a man, that was pretty much biblical bodyboarding at the time. Like, you yeah. had people down on their hands and knees worshipping that movie because it honestly was groundbreaking. And it still is to this day. I ask people all the time, have you seen Visions? Yeah. Because it is a benchmark and still is a benchmark for 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 that level of bodyboarding to go down in that style of waves. And I'm, I'm not saying the waves are bad, but you know, tricky and difficult and 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 sometimes very very reward, like very rewarding. Sorry if I get that out properly, but you know, to to bring that then to big waves and then how their careers went on. I'm obviously talking about John O'Bruce, Tom Robertson, Michael Novi. And I could name so many others who featured in that movie also just in casual settings that were just also incredible bodyboarders. It was an absolute time of it. So I, I do agree that was groundbreaking, man. Changed, yeah. changed bodyboarding for sure. It was. And I remember there was a national titles in Cronulla actually. I think I was 17 and I actually beat Novi in a heat. Like I managed to get – it was – it's called the alley ride. Is that that way? Yep. yep. Yeah. The left rip bowl that you get back into it. Yeah, and there's like a pool next to it and it's like, you know, yeah. the cafes and the rock front there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's where Nationals was. 
and um, I had I had a good ARS on the left, and and I managed to get a nice volley. Yeah, yeah, and then I yeah got the ARS on beat Novi, and then which was everyone was surprised because he was like right in that time. And I remember we all went up to Macca's after that, and then Novi wouldn't even talk to me. So it was like, it was good, which is good. Like that's what you want. That's that, and that's yeah, that's you full just, competitive. You know, steel. It's like, hey, you know, steel, like, I'm, I'm your man. mate, but it's but it's also a full on jungle out there. Like this is. We weren't really mates though because he was from the sunny coast, and it was just like he wasn't. He was he was kind of a quiet guy, but but then when Mike started coming down or Mick, whatever you want to call him, Novi, just Novi, what a name. But when they started coming down to the south coast a lot, that's when it really kind of set in because they could then because we were like, oh fuck, they're doing all this up there, like those reverses in that red armed white body brashy that he did. Like that's, oh, just, yeah. that's kind of the, that was my that was a big realization. I was like, I'm never going to be able to do a reverse like that. Like I just don't have and it. How raw was it, man? It was clean, powerful, but raw. That's a really good way to put it, man. And um and my body shape too. Like I kind of had a growth spurt. I was quite lanky and tall, and it wasn't. I was just like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Um, I've always been quite honest with myself, and but maybe and that's why you were so successful. Waves Tiger, and you didn't mind having to go because I've really found like I look at Nick Orm, I look at Glenn Thurst, and I look at a lot of good the long bodies body sure. yeah, It really does, you know. Even Jace Finlay does it. Also. I know he's not a huge fella, but still, you know, very athletic and can drag his body so well through the face of the wave. It's it's such an advantage, you know. And I, I think your frame's fucking perfect for it. Well, what are yeah. you like six four, man? Six three and a half, yeah. Six three, yeah, 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 sweet. Yeah, but um, yes, basically six four, but. I kind of like to say like but anyway and Jace Finlay another name and another guy that I got to work with a lot and like he, he was a late bloomer Jace like I got sponsored before he was even sponsored and it was I was kind of like thinking how the fuck did this happen but Jace never once felt hard done by you know he just stuck at it um and yeah just slowly came for him and you know Jace for me was world champion material um you know, with the demise of world and a few things that happened at World Bodyboards a number of years back, he, he got left in the dust. But um, g- genuinely, a competitive machine and just a man's man. You'd call Jason. You know, like everyone kind of wanted to be that guy, and you see him today, and you see he's one of those guys that's just kind of got all his shit together. Oh, he's but a gentle man. He's a lovely fella, and he featured so heavily in that Royal Blood edit you brought out. And uh, man, if any all the listeners out there right now, please jot this name down: Royal Blood, because if you haven't seen it, which I'm sure a lot of you have, but if you haven't, you need to just go back, revisit a beautiful masterpiece of <laughs> of core bodyboarding, and just some of the best names known to yeah. planet bodyboarding it was it was such a good watch tiger yeah, i revisited yeah, yeah. the other day man and it oh, was good. it was music to my ears man music to my well, ears that's toby for you you know toby knows how to build a team um it's got an interesting story about toby actually like before we started working together <clears throat> it was my first year in hawaii i was like so i went to hawaii before like in between year 11 and 12 so I came back from Hawaii, like just feeling like the biggest boss because I just had the mega tan and just like it got sponsored. <laughs> How long were you there for? Uh, four weeks. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. That's you a good time to get like a bit of base tan. Yeah. Uh, but school's all about that. Like I reckon I can remember high school being like how how fresh and how good you come back after holidays like I know that sounds ridiculous but it was something that me and my mates always wanted to do is just like come back really fit and stoked and tanned or whatever yeah. because high school was all about girls like really at the end of the day like girls and bodyboarding like that was 
that was it really. Like I didn't care about grades. Um, I naturally did okay, but yeah, like school meant nothing to me. It, all school was was catching up with friends, tuning birds, and and trying to surf in the morning and in the afternoon. But remember that first season. That's also you know, something I, nice to take from it, Tiger, because you know knowledge yeah. is one thing and listening in class, but at least the social side of things was up your alley. You know what I mean? Like I really think do I, I, I'm you know, quite on the fence with some of the curriculums at schools and, and what's being taught and, and how we are yes. entering into a modern world. And it's, it's quite archaic what, what actually does go on. But, you know, it's cool to see that, yeah, it's just cool to see that you did that. Yeah, for sure. And um, the South Coast was a bit of a breeding ground too. Um, I'll go back to Hawaii in a second. But, yeah, I remember Ryan Maddock as well. Like he was, he was a bit of an influence for me coming. He was, he was a really talented kid and was one of those guys that would surf fucking forever. Um, I think he surfed every day for like three years and didn't shower either. So, yeah, he's, he's, he was an absolute grub. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant bodyboarder and, and like really could have gone far. But, you know, he's, he's actually a great businessman too. But um, oh, going what, back- what he's done with drag bodyboarding is, is – and obviously – all his other ventures with Zion and 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 everything he's got, all, all his fingers and so many pies. I'd, I'd, I'd imagine he's just he's very successful, man. He's cunning, yep. snide, knows what's going on. Hey, knows how to. Um, yeah. knows We've how to only recently kind of become friends again too. Like we did, we weren't friends for ages for just a number of reasons. It was mainly like when I started, when I became a shareholder in Agent Eighteen and started doing that. Um, yeah, how was that journey from Agent 18? Because Zion and Agent 18 did come up at the same time, hey, so obviously there yeah. might have been a little bit of division there oh, with sure there certain was. people. They were good yeah. mates. Tell me about that time, bro, because I actually remember when they first broke out of the market and even in, even in Cronulla, for example, you could see in the lineup who was a Zion supporter and who was an Agent 18 yeah, supporter. Yeah, like, it, was not, it was full on. So It was full on. I think they were, they were overseas together because Bryce and Ryan were kind of like inseparable. and um. And I think they both said, oh, we should start a wetsuit company. But Bryce just got to it quicker than Ryan, I believe. Um, and if you're listening to this, Ryan, it, the story might be different. And, you know, don't take every word I, 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 I say about this because I don't know the exact story. But I think maybe Bryce got to the business a little bit quicker than, than Ryan. Um, and Bryce is a bit like that. He's hyper-obsessive. And Ryan wasn't far far behind. But I think maybe they had some ideas about wetsuits that were the same. And then maybe Bryce came out with some of the ideas as well and, it was just a really fucking toxic, conflicted situation. But Bryce mm-hmm. is kind of like my best friend. Like he was, like he was a few years older than me. Um, four. I he think. recently got married, didn't he? No, no. He's just got six kids, but he's not married. No. Oh, I'm thinking about his. Berg got married. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I got to mix yeah, up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone gets them mixed up. But yeah, Bryce, Philip, and and, and Glenn. But yeah, they just um, and then. Yeah, I kind of gave up bodyboarding when I was 20. That kind of ties back to how things with foreplay, but then, and, a, and an injury, an ongoing injury. But uh, I, came, I did, went and did advertising in Sydney for five years and learned a lot about business and learned a lot about how to kind of penetrate markets and, and talk, to, talk to CEOs and talk to big guys that, that are kind of high up in business. So I, I came down and I managed to save a little bit of money too. So I, but I was like, I've got to get out of Sydney. So I moved down there with my now wife, Jody. Um, we've been together for 12 years. We celebrate our 10th year anniversary next year. Very proud of that. But we moved down and, yeah, I just I just got in business with Bryce and, and immediately, like, my relationship with Ryan just, just just went, just dissolved and then actually got a bit gnarly. So um, it was just a bit of, like, I don't want to go into it too much because it's it probably is interesting to people, but in the same breath, it's 
fairly toxic, but um, I think they're both on the yeah, other side. We obviously of that don't point. have to focus on you know yeah. that toxic relationship, but more so like when the brands were coming up, man. Like what was the what was the vibe like in in the water and amongst friends? Yeah. You know, not just at the uh, yeah, sole um, center of the actual business, but um, yeah, more so amongst yeah. the industry. Like what what was everyone thinking at the time? Well, I think agent quickly became quite large because there was no wetsuits like it in bodyboarding. So we, we did have – we had brands like Alita, um, number 13. There was some really cool boog wetsuit brands. I think I, I think I fucking drove from Birmingham to Sydney just to buy a spring suit from that number 13 brand. Um, that um, You probably don't remember it, but it was from California. Um, okay. Yeah, the, the, and then and where were they sold at in Sydney? Uh, Emerald, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no way. You went and saw Harry? Yeah, Harry across the road from the trainer, yeah. Yeah, hectic. Yeah. That was a prime yeah, spot there. Yeah, too. prime as. But I went. I remember going to um, a signing signing there with Virtue and, and Kingy. Um, oh, sick. And I bought a, Mike Stewart, a yellow Mike Stewart shirt. But, yeah, so. And also and the also, endless days, man. I remember you up in Cronulla for all those endless body Yeah, man. Days. I owe a lot to Johnny Pine, you know, and just like, yeah, he supported it's me for like a game. year. Like, not, not, didn't support me massively financially, but he like, paid for a few trips and let me live in their house and he let me drive his second car. Um, oh, he you was know, so like, kind to give him, man. We actually drove a couple of his vehicles across the SA a couple of times and he's just, um, he was absolutely. just a good egg. He was giving Sean everything through bodyboarding, yeah. which was really cool to see. And that club, obviously disbanded now but at the time had so many members and was just thriving it was actually kind of rivaling emerald at um at some stages but obviously emerald absolutely you know he put everything into it um and yeah like sean sean probably had world champ material too i know that's probably a big call but I feel he did like, oh, i agree with it i say yeah. it all the time he his, tech, his technical ability and his charging like prowess and his like kind of wave knowledge and his yeah. ability to like tune into a new wave really quickly um i remember we went to and yeah, I guess we're in the in the realm of not saying spots, which is good. But yeah, there's this tricky wave on the south coast, on the back of an island. And then um, first time he'd been there, and no one does moves at this wave, you know. And Sean was just, I think he spun in and inverted out on his like his second or third wave, and he just don't didn't do that at this wave. He just had that ability to kind of um, tune in and and see things a bit differently. It's almost like he had a little bit of European in him, but not the European style, but the European mentality of how to tune in. He did spend a lot of time with Emery and Pierre, and I reckon that rubbed off a lot on Sean. But he yeah. had that like, fast Australian power. Um, Man, but, yeah. I, I really remember watching that power develop when he was coming up and, you know, hitting his straps at 17, 18, 19, 20 and hanging out with Pierre a lot. I remember him being in Sydney a fair bit and those guys going toe-to-toe uh, yeah. with with anything yeah. they were doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was it was really cool, cool to see. Yeah, and just a, just a born athlete really, like um, – yeah, like people like great body shape, really strong, um, very focused, and super clean. And you know, he never party for for a long time. So, but yeah, the, the I think we've and he's also an underwater diver now, man. Like he he, he does do a pretty um yeah, an high end job. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, it's I pretty wild. Like yeah, some of the stories he told me, yeah. like he he wants to push himself. He's he can't do anything. Like I remember talking to him. About his business, and he's like, I can't find anyone good enough, and I'm just like, fuck, man, like that's gonna, be, that's probably the wrong mentality to have in business because you're never gonna be able to clone or replicate yourself, but you need to be able to train people into that what you expect. But I said, you're not gonna yeah. find someone like Sean. He's like, I need to find more people like me, and I said, you're never gonna find it. 
Um, I think the hardest thing with that is, though, man, and I think with anyone running a business and employing people, um, and I haven't done it myself, so this is speaking from an outsider's perspective looking in. Well, you could um, be on the way, mate, with day pool services. Yeah, 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 maybe, man. We'll, we'll see how we go, see how many more pools we can get cleaned. But um, I, I, I kind of feel like the communication side of things is such a, a strong stalwart of that, you know, development of a person when they come into your business. I think that when you don't, I'm not saying John doesn't have the best communication skills, but to really pass on all of that knowledge and to get it out clearly and develop it properly and to develop that high level expectation, I think it's quite difficult. I don't think it comes naturally to a lot of people. And I think a lot of people need to be shown and to be guided through and to nurture them through, you know what I mean? And there's not enough time in the day for that, unfortunately. With how busy well, our yeah, lives are, like, you know? scale, scale a business and grow it, then you need to make time for that. Um, but true, yeah, true. Just, you're never going to find someone like yourself, and if you think you're going to, then you've got to, you're going to be quickly disappointed. Um, especially, excuse me, like bodyboarders, we're a unique breed, you know. So, oh, we are, aren't we, man? Why are like when you look around the industry and you look at so many cool and creative, crazy cats, so quirky at times. You know, we've got um, such an array of people that pick up pick up the phone. Why yeah. is it in our sport? Like, I, reckon, I, I, I wonder this all the time. I reckon I've seen you put my finger on it. Oh, yeah? It's, Let um, me know. Time yeah. land up. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely a couple of things. Like, we've done it on the, on the sniff of an oily rag. So you're definitely going to build resilience um, and there's going to be a hunger there to find things that people haven't found. So if you think about that in business or in life or in what you do as a bodyboarder, you're probably going to translate that into your career or into your personality. And then I reckon another big one is when you're in the lineup, you're always trying to find the gnarliest place to sit but also the best positioning for the weight. So if you put that into life, it's the same thing. Like, if you can find the, the the most unique place to sit, but that's also going to give you the best chance of success, then like, what a great fucking skill to have, you know? And that's what bodyboarding. That's what bodyboarders do. And I reckon a big reason of why bodyboarders are able to maybe do well in other areas or push themselves or be kind of a bit outside of the box is because of the, those few things I've mentioned. Yeah, maybe that's yeah, what. No, I- yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just sitting here in awe of that response and actually calculating in my head. I think you're bang on. I, yeah, I, I think I've figured it out, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. Insane. It's the sniffing yeah. we have to do. It's like the intense moments we have to go through and the it's almost Find like the, the rite of passage we get put through. You know, there's so many times that I hear in podcasts listening on the surf industry side, you know, I love yeah. listening to the Swellians or a couple of stab podcasts, you know, there's so much amazing good content out there, but I notice so often that they reference Groms going on team trips, you know, lathered up in all the, the freshest gear, sponsored from money at them. They're going on boat trips and mentalities, but they're not pumped and amped to surf because they haven't worked, wanted and needed it. Mm, you know, they've really just been given it on that platter and that platter's beautiful, but it fucking doesn't always work out the best you know what i mean it doesn't give you the hunger that you need to succeed i think that's a really good point and i reckon it's a big reason why guys like craig dion noah have kind of really been attracted to bodyboarding um and yeah i, I kind of yeah in a, in a, in a way I, I definitely introduced those guys to what to bodyboarding i think i was i was the first filmer to work with 
with Dion and Craig, um, and then you know a lot of guys have come along for the for the ride, so to speak, or they've they've just kind of come in on the back of that. And it's, and it's not a claim; um, it's just like that's the position I got put in. And it was actually through Age Nineteen that that happened. Um, so yeah, being an Age Nineteen, then we I wanted to break into surfing because I was like Bryce bodyboarding's too small. Um, we're not you're not going to survive and grow here, um, especially when Zion came along. It was kind of like okay, you've got a serious competitor here because I had a good business head on me now. So I was like. Zion's going to snap up some of this market. Guys, Ryan's got a massive network. Guys are going to ride for him straight away. Um, and so I tried to break into surfing. You know, we signed Otis Carey, who's now massive. He's a superstar and a friend of mine and just an absolute beautiful man. But there was another guy, Tom Pringle. Ziggy Alberts we sponsored as well, who's a musician now. Oh, um, sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I picked out these guys. But then it was Tom Pringle, who's like an air surfer from Queensland. We sponsored him um, and... Tom actually said to Dion, oh, you should shoot with Tyg. And Dion was like, okay. So Dion came down the coast. He's like, oh, Tyg can shoot this really tight shit that no one can really shoot. And it was just, I just really enjoyed shooting close-up stuff. So Dion was like. Oh, tight like a tiger. I don't know how yeah. many times I've commented in your Instagram post, some of your filming. It's beautiful. I love watching it. But it's tight like a tiger, mate. <laughs> Thanks, man. But, um, yeah, it was essentially – and I can take that compliment now. I used to really struggle taking compliments, and I'm just I'm stoked that I can now take compliments. And I don't know what it was, but and we don't we don't need to go into it. But um, it's for it's now nice now that someone can say something, and I can just take it. And it's almost like it's not. It's like I wasn't humble then, but now I am. It's and but it, but it's a reverse because if you can't take a compliment, it's like you're humble. And if you can take a compliment, the world would say that you wouldn't be humble. But it's actually the reverse. But Dion, I shot with Dion for a surf stitch campaign. First ever surfer I'd shot and got paid for. I'd worked with Sam Wrench, who's a good friend of mine, surfer, and we sponsored him as well for Age 18, and we worked on a series, and Sam kind of taught me. And, yeah, I want to pay homage to Sam. Um, he's taught me how to shoot surfing, really. Like, I knew how to shoot bodyboarding, but if you think about it, bodyboarding, it's like a snake, you know, they're flat. Um, whereas surfing, <laughs> I guess they're like a kangaroo, like they're upright. Weird, weird analogies, I know, but it's a different type of thing to shoot. <laughs> Um, so yeah, a lot definitely. of the time I was shooting so tight, I was actually just shooting from the knees down because I was like, fuck, that's kind of what bodyboarding is. And sometimes I just like that. But Dion immediately saw something in me, introduced me to Craig. And then I introduced Craig and Dion to Dave, to, to Fox. And then Fox introduced them to, um, to Katie. And then those guys, you know, I've worked as much with them, if not more. And then we actually sponsored Noah Dan too. I was like, this kid is fucking – so he was like 17. I shot him at Curl Curl when he was 17. Um, and for me, Noah was like maybe the best surfer in the world right now, 100% the best oh, free and, and actually yeah. a really talented body at the same time, man, like multidiscipline, like full-on core, core lord, really, when you think about yeah. it. Yeah, his knowledge runs fucking real deep and meaty and he's like – yeah, hyper-obsessive guy. Like there's no doubt yeah. about it. And I, I feel like we're – we're, we're witnessing like a modern day kind of Andy Irons here. And I feel like people get it and like people know how good Noah is, but I don't know if people realize what we're witnessing. Like, and we lost Andy, you know, like the world lost Andy. And it's like, we've got Noah with us right now, but he's a different breed. But like, I think people need to realize how fucking good he is at surfing. Oh, um, freakishly good. And how good he's just in the ocean in general, man. You're speaking about Sean Pine reading the ocean. I think yeah. Noah's got, you know, some sort of digital device locked into his eyes where he's just scanning the ocean almost like a Terminator and he can just, in you know, 
inch yep. by inch, you know, centimetre by centimetre, mill by mill, just position himself in some of the craziest, craziest positions and just, and you know, at, at waves of consequence and not just surfing waves, at bodyboarding waves mm. on different crafts, bodyboarding and surfing. Like he, he, he does it all. He just understands the ocean. That's what I'm getting at. Like there's not many people that just understand the ocean. Jason Finlay is another prime example of someone who just understands the ocean. Nick Ormob is really good. I remember his vision at so many times. I've referenced Nick a couple of times, but I really find, found out in the island, his vision was just incredible. And the things he did down, you know, that undisclosed um, way that we we were talking about previously, like, you know, the way he positioned himself, some of the footage I've seen you um, uh, hand over him, even that, you know, that uh, 4K bomby clip that you've got on YouTube of Brendan Newton out there. Man, yeah. like it's it, something about that, you know what I mean? Chris Chris Bryan shot all that. I drove the ski and edited it. But, you know, it's, it's always really oh, important to, to, to honour people for what they've done, you know. Like uh, I've, I've definitely been ripped off in the past and not been kind of – on it or just credited, um, it's it's okay. Like it's it's fine. But if you ever have the chance, like just then you said that clip's really good, and I could have just been like, yeah. But immediately, the honor, honorable man in me says, actually, Chris shot all that, and he's credited. You just maybe not didn't see that. Uh, yeah, I just tried to see that day and did the edit. You yeah. know, so there's part of me that made that clip. No, it's fine. But um, some people might glaze over that, you know, and and just not take the credit, but not not take the credit. So it's, I think it's a good lesson for all the listeners. Like if anyone's ever inspired you if anyone's ever led you in anything always fucking give them props because that's what it's about like if you're not giving props to people that led you or inspired you then you basically just stole what they gave you and haven't given back but yeah nick omrid is a fucking really good bodyboarder and it's really sad what happened to him at coney's because he got so fucked up out there but um he is the funniest most lovely guy and we've got exactly the same feet I remember we're at <laughs> we're at Grizz's we're at Grizz's fortieth earlier this year, which was just fucking hilarious. And then, oh, it was that up on the north coast. I think I saw yeah, a couple of things on Instagram. Yeah, it was it was hilarious. And what happened there was that that was like six months in the making, and Grizz had no idea, and his missus had done this massive number on him to basically make him believe that she was going to meet him at Crescent Head. She made him drive there with all the gear and she was going to fly in and then he got up and then he arrived at this massive house and he said that was the first kind of fishy moment that he had. And he's like, why would we have such a big house? (laughs) What's going on here? The worst thing that happened that night was we all arrived at the pub at the front of Crescent Head. I went out with Brendan Newton um, and then the worst thing that happened was we started walking to the house and then I think it was Gravy, Foxy or... Matic or someone or all of us just said fucking let's go live on drag and it was like we just didn't think but like we went live on drag and obviously Chris was just sitting at the place on his phone and he sees drag come up and he looks at it and he basically watched us come to the house like he still reckons <laughs> he still he still denies it he's still like no nah, I only saw a few guys drinking beers but I reckon he knew exactly what was happening. Sorry, I'm fucking like laughing so hard right now because I just it was the biggest fail. Like you know, to to, to do six months of planning, man, and for his missus to basically lie to him for that long. And apparently, she's not good at that shit. Oh, and then we we blew it. Like, and we knocked on the door, and he was surprised, but he wasn't like super surprised. But anyway, um, the boys got him aboard, like his corso board. I think that's his name. He's a shaper from Wollongong. Um, Sick. Yeah, he was over the moon, you know. Like he didn't know the scale of what we'd done, but 
What was it? What type of board was it? Is that shape of course? Course, course, course. I don't know. Oh, no, 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 sorry. As in, like, was it a yeah? No, I, I, tra- trad fiber. Oh no, it wasn't trad fiber. Trad fiber is like shortboard. Um, yeah. It was like a fucking. It was like a big gun. You know, like it was like a ten foot gun. Like, and Chris really? is actually Chris is a good surfer. Yeah, he's yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. He's another good. one worth mentioning, man. Like, he was like kind of like a bit of a hero to us South Coasters. Like, I remember rocking up to Nuggan when I was like thirteen or something, fourteen, and Chris did, and from the car, from the sorry, the check spot. Just massive full rope over that training into the bowl. And I looked at Bryce and I was like, who the fuck was that? And he's like, oh, that's Chris James. And Chris would just, you know, drive down from, um, yeah, from Taramara on the on the north side of Sydney there, like so often for nugs, but another just absolute wave hog. Um, oh, how's it? We just went 40 minutes and 44 seconds. That's my number two. Really? Um, what if you were to lay four digits down? It's forty and forty-four. No, forty-four is my number. But then, yeah, four, four, four is a big one too. It's like I've probably yeah, seen that number like four, four or five times Dude. today. Yeah, it's a it's a full numerology thing. But yeah, Chris was just one of those guys that was kind of beyond his years. Um, he, he was. He was a freak in the in, in the water. He still is, obviously. Like you know, yeah. still to this day, probably is pulled some of the biggest waves all around Australia, if not the world. Or maybe not so much the world, more so Australia, but, like, man. Oh, no, no, the world for sure. And to be that big but to look so compact is really hard. You know, like yeah. Glenn Poston, for instance, amazing. Like probably the best, you know, top three scoops in the world. And for sure. Really, really technically well. But, you know, and Nick Omrod as well. On the face, amazing. But sometimes these guys get in the air. Me too. Like sometimes we get in the air and it's really hard to fucking contain those limbs. But Chris, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like Chris looks small. Like Chris looks, he doesn't look massive, and that's one of his that's one of his strengths. I reckon he's got a really compact, tight style, and um, yeah, just a bit, kind of a bit of a hero for us growing up. But so his fortieth was epic. Um, where Do you reckon were we? He's so that? shredded. Do you reckon because he's just yeah. a fucking ripped yeah, he's, unit? He's really, he's great proportions. Yeah, like he's 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 like yeah. his legs, legs to his torso, to his chest, to his head. Yeah, he's right. a beautiful. Someone man. needs to do a comparison or a meme from that um, you know, that big <laughs> center of the outback, big red burly kangaroo with all the veins yes. coming out of the chest and Chris. <laughs> yeah, you know, back like a couple of years ago, just flexing for something, and that would just be amazing. And I swear he has an age too; like he just looks so fucking young still. Uh, yeah, he just looks the same. It's so classic. Blue eyes, and he's such a kind-hearted guy. He's really critical, yeah, and he's and a good kind of Pretty full-on about some of his opinions, but so am I. So like, it's good. Like me, me, Chris, Noah. Um, Gallagher, Brendo and James are in this chat called the Meat Chat and it's like it's a daily affair and um yeah it's great to just have like a, a strong contact still with guys that are quite opinionated and you can just say whatever you want in there like it's not it's a safe chat um cuz as bodybuilders I think we are born critics you know because it's a very technical sport and we are kind of tapped in and we kind of are like the best like I reckon trad is the best form of wave riding. Um, it just makes the most sense, I reckon. Like surfing is probably more more beautiful and probably easier to watch because someone's and it's like you're standing up, so it's like you go on that next level. But I actually think that bodyboarding is the best form of wave riding because you can do massive airs, you can do big turns, you can ride crazy slabs. Um, and the fact that, you know, a lot of us have done it for nothing um goes to goes to show just how obsessed you can get like i think if surfers got the same they got dealt the same card as us i don't think 
surfing would have got to where it was. I think a big part of where surfing is is because of the money that's in the sport. Um, and also the heritage, Tiger, you know what I mean? I think it's been around for such a, a longer period. Really, if you look back through the history books, I think it's almost 2,000 years old surfing. With us, you know, we're just over half a century. You're so right there. Um, I think I was. I think that's what I was trying to find there, um, and I'm glad you jumped in because I don't know if I was going to find it, but I was trying to think there is something else, and it is that heritage of surfing. And look, I love. I don't know if I can separate them, but there's something about bodyboarding that just makes it a better sport. But I guess that's just because I'm born. I'm, I'm what just a, a tortured booger. Like there's nothing. You know, I still feel like I'm a bodyboarder, and I don't even bodyboard. You know, because it did and taught me so much. But on that, I reckon that's a good chance to jump back to foreplay but the story of, of hawaii where we were wow we have just gone full circle i reckon 30 minutes and we're back to to foreplay that's probably the <laughs> longest loop i've ever experienced it i'm fucking back in it oh good yeah now i love a good loop and then i'm always i, I know I, yeah i've got an eye an ear for what was where we were so there we so there i was in hawaii my first season and then i heard about this party and i was like holy shit and i remember brendan newton was there and he had the whitest teeth. I remember I was like, holy shit, your teeth are white, Brendan. And he'd just come off <laughs> he'd just come off Canaries and that NMD sponsorship. And like Brendan, and I remember seeing Brendan and Kingy talking out of the car on the way to the party. And I was just like, fuck, Brendan's there. You know, like he's right there. And what he did in those couple of years is just outstanding. Um, but went to the party and I'm about to walk up the driveway and I feel like a little bit of water on me. And I'm like, there's no fucking rain here. Like this is the clearest night. Just one of those perfect, excuse me, one of those perfect wine nights. And I look up and there's Toby on the fucking deck, like laughing his head off with his cock in his hand. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> he wow. had pissed on me, but he'd like covered like a 25 meter fucking like trajectory. <laughs> and it was, only a bit on, it was only a bit on my arm. And I actually wasn't a drinker until I was like 22. So I'd, I'd barely drunk, you know, so I wasn't even drunk. Um, and I was like so happy. I like I wasn't like happy that he pissed on me, but I wasn't angry. And I yeah, you were just in the moment. It was just a party. <laughs> and I had a used shirt on. Remember the used that band? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love them, man. That was oh, such an emo stage and that punk rock coming up. God, it was good. Shout out to Mitch Hall too. He's a fucking legend. He was such a good bodyboarder, and we chat a bit now, and we kind of relate to. Um, I'm quite the MMA US, UFC enthusiast and, and Mitch is as well. Mitch was so close to the other Mitch, the original Mitch Rawlins, but let me keep going. And then so I had the used shirt on because Mitch Hall loved them. But walked in and I just went up to Toby and I was like, how the fuck did you do that? Like he was so far away. And he said, <laughs> look, and he, was, and he was blind because he was in his prime, you know, and he, and he grabbed He's like, you just grab the end of your cock <laughs> and squeeze it as hard as you can, fill up your bory, and then just let it go. And I was just like, holy shit, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so he'd obviously just ballooned up his, his his ball, his setup, and then just blown it out to the next grom that came around the corner, which was me. But maybe that's that kind hectic. of thought, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a really detailed um experience there man like i i really do understand you don't know how to perform that you know i can't wait to do a shower on my next occasion yeah no it wasn't long after that i was trying but i did not get the trajectory he got um yeah yeah but obviously maybe not at people maybe take the people out of the equation but hitting like random objects and fields would be pretty fun yeah Uh, there must be more to it though because it doesn't really there's something something else he had going on maybe actually pissed at the same time he let go so it grabbed it and then took it like a fucking projectile oh, but 
There was a jet yeah. stream. It was almost like a, a goon. Stream behind the behind the balloon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. High pressure shout day. Out, shout out to Tobes. We're, we're we're close mates. Ben and Toby are really good friends of mine. Almost like brothers in a way. Um, and maybe that was like the bodyboarders, man. Yeah, like Ben did that first, and in that season, you know, like everyone was going to pipe every day on the big days, and I was like, I dropped. No, no, sorry, I got dropped in on by Liam McNamara. Like I got dropped in on, and I was only like a six to eight footer, and like. But I didn't pull off. I just let him fade me the whole way. But I wasn't like, I was just wanted to, I didn't want to fucking get caught on the inside. So I was like, I've got to get to the channel. And then he tried to fight me after he dropped it on me. And I quickly kind of diffused it. And I was like, man, you've got to think about this right now. You dropped it on me. I just wanted to get to the channel. And he just kind of shrugged it off and, and, and bailed. But I was like, okay, pipe's not for me. Like those crowds, like, you know, I'm from I'm from Bermagui and, and chasing waves up and down, you know, Ulladulla and whatnot. We didn't have that type of, ferocity you know so and i did not have any fear of waves like i don't know what it was but i just wasn't scared of waves ever like the, the biggest gnarliest sets would land on my head wherever i was and nothing got me sc- i don't know what it was but i would never what drop about, into a, i would never drop into a, on a skateboard i would never want to get into a fight like i was definitely fearful of getting hurt but that just never waves i don't know what it was man i can't really put Wave my finger on never scared you Nah, man. I've, I'd, I used to surf lunas by myself, you know, and that's documented. Somehow it's documented, and that's another story. But look, I haven't been scared of waves for a long time, and I don't know if it's going to ever come. They probably will, but um, so I was like, I'm just going to go to Waimea. There's no one at Waimea, and it's like absolutely cooking. And I, and somehow Tim Jones knew I was going there, and he's like, Wow, this young kid's starting to charge Waimea because I just started going there without like, and everyone's going to pipe because if pipes cooking Waimea is probably cooking as well. Like if pipe's 10 feet plus, then YME is going to be six feet. If pipe's 20 feet, then then YME is going to be, the bay is going to be, you know, proper. So I never surfed at more than 10 feet. But, yeah, that's where I got my first double page spread. I just kept going back there. I was like, I love, I kind of loved it. And you can actually make a couple at YME, um, funnily enough. But Tim Jones shot that double page spread of me and that's when movement, that, that season was when movement was about to come out and Ben had been passing all these forms around up and down Kiki Ghetto, where all the boogers were. Shout out to Nick and Simon Omrod too, who, who who kind of manned that Kiki joint. Um, and we had like twenty guys in there, but it was like ten bucks a night. And you know, you kind of go into Hawaii with a couple of grand in your pocket for a month, so it's like it's fucking tight, man. Um, but yeah, like Ben was handing all these forms out, doing like market research and asking all these questions, and we didn't really know what was going on. This actually leads back to the original question, another loop, Riptide. So. But Ben was handing those forms out. So he wanted to start movement, but we didn't really know what he was doing with this market research. But he saw a gap in the market for another magazine, which was clearly possible. You know, we had Australian bodybuilder that had died like 10 years before that. Riptide was just all-consuming and everything was about Rippy, you know, um, which was great and was a reason that I went and did work experience there in year 10. So, yeah, I just went and did work experience there with Jethro Lyons, who's a friend of mine still, probably the best editor I thought ever. Um, and Jethro taught me a lot about the game. I remember I got to call Whitey, excuse me, when I was like, I had, I had a big meal before I jumped on the potty. So, um, but man, you got to yeah, fuel up. They're long convos. Yeah, they could be like, I'm down for this to go for like 90 minutes or whatever. So then um, Jethro taught me heaps about the industry. It was like, he was definitely a man ahead of his time, Jethro Lyons. And, he remembered. He he showed me the nomads. So nomad had just come into the sport, and no disrespect to nomad. You know, I think they've done a lot for the sport and they've supported a lot of guys. And I'm actually friends with those guys now too. 
but he showed me the logo and he's like, what do you think of this logo? It was that invert. They actually, their first logo was an invert. And um, I was like, oh, it's okay. And he was just like, nah, man, this is not fucking okay. And I was like, okay, I didn't really know what he meant at the time, but I fully got it later on. But it was just so, it wasn't creative at all. Um, you know, and I think Mitch Rollins just brought so much creativity to the sport. Like what he did with Found in the first couple of years is, you know, and I still get, no, I still get nervous around Mitch and talking to Mitch. Like he's a friend. Like we actually chat pretty regularly, but um, it's the same. Like I've got to work with Dane Reynolds too and like it, I've got to work with Dane a couple of times and actually spend a bit of quality time with Dane, but it's like I couldn't shake that feeling of like because Dane actually kind of got me out of my business time in Sydney back down the coast because of Marine Layer Productions. If you, if you remember that, it was a website that Dane would post on every couple of days. And for me, Dane was like a... He was like a surface stuck. He was like a body water stuck in a surface body to a degree. Like the way he would approach things, it was just, it was really a lot of that motion of when Mitch comes around, around, around the, around the bottom and comes up to the top and he whacks it. But I guess Mitch is kind of like a body water stuck in a, sorry, a surface stuck in a body water's body. So there was a lot of comparisons there, but there's something about Mitch that I just can't shake. Like I'm just like, I just feel like if Mitch, got like put into a machine and like he'd pop out like a bodyboard, you know, like he fucking is a bodyboard man. Like everything about that guy is bodyboarding. Um, and we are so lucky to have had Mitch Rollins because mark my words, we're never going to have another Mitch. Now you could probably say the same for Kelly. You could probably say the same for Andy, even though I think Noah's a bit of an Andy. There's not going to be another Kelly, but there's going to be a lot of surfers that are like surfers before them. But with bodyboarding, we're not going to see it. And the sad thing about bodyboarding, Luke, is it's the only sport that I know that has de-progressed. Now, I know that sounds kind of dire, but six, eight years ago at Nuggan, just for instance, you were going to see fucking good bodyboarding. Now you go to Nuggan, you might see one to two good bodyboarders maximum, if that, and you're still not going to see the level. So... What sport do you know in the world that has deprogressed to the level that bodyboarding has? Dave Winchester, one of my favourite, like top five, and a good friend of mine. You're just never going to see another Winnie. You're never going to see another Mitch. You're never going to see another Ryan. Look, Marley Dunn was almost going to be, but the support wasn't there. So how can Marley become, you know, Marley was almost that Winnie Gornell mix and there was hope there. Liam Lucas. most recent edit. Marley's most recent one over in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, epic, but it's not, you know, it's just, yeah, no, like, like Marley is probably the, the exception. That's kind of what I was saying, but he still probably didn't get the support. And it's not on the, so what Maybe Marley we're just going through a bit of a lull, Tiger. I think you know that's a I mean? good, I, 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 I don't want to sound negative because I'm not, not, no, not no, no. Negative. I know where you're going with it. And you're calling these people all time, and they were at such a high lofty level. You're talking about the Ryan Hardys, Mitch Rawlins, the Ben Players, the Cahill Tamigas, you know, Spencer Skippers, um, Jeff Hubbards, Mike Stewart. Just go on and on and on. Andrew Lessers, it's unbelievable. I fully understand there was a golden age there, but I think there's there's generations and there's generations. And, you know, it's almost like at school when you get good grades and bad grades or misbehaving grades or – you know, outrageously behaved grades, you know what I mean? Like there's just sometimes, there's sometimes a, a, 
a dip before a rise and then a dip. I, I, really, I, really hope, I really hope you're right. I just can't see it. You know, I just can't see it coming up. I can't see it because there's no pathway for them. There's patience, man. You think about the fabric of time and how we measure time. When well, you you're think talking about like how long... like future, future kind of shit or? No, but when you think about, say, bodyboarding as a 50-year-old sport man or say just over that yeah and you're right the way boogie being so young i understand where you're coming from because we reach such dizzying heights and then we kind of scale down a little bit and we're just plateauing now and we've still got such an amazing advanced level of bodyboarding around the world but it's probably not yeah. at that push peak because there was such a surge it was a crazy surge man you know like they were on six figures you know like yeah there was all money those, man. all, all money those guys were on 100 to 200 grand a year and, and and as a bodyboarder that's can you know live off the smell of an oily rag that's a lot of money you can do a lot with that oh and also look how well certain bodyboarders have, have done out yeah. of it and they've set themselves up for future careers you know and and, yeah. and set up businesses and, and bought properties like it's there definitely was there definitely was a high life to be lived but in saying that too i guess you would have to have been in the top 10 at the time to probably be making that coin hey yeah, that was that was kind of limited to the top ten, and then there was a bunch of guys on like seventy. Um, we could circle back to, to to foreplay now. Like the most I ever got paid for bodyboarding was twenty grand, which sounds good. And like again, I wasn't a technical master, I wasn't a competitive machine, um, so I was happy with that. But I quickly realised that that wasn't going to support me and my ambitions. But well, with I inflation, hear- do you think twenty grand? Where would it sit today? Oh, I don't know. Five, like you know. Brutal, man. You know, it's yeah. it was nothing. Like, and I knew it was nothing. Like, I couldn't do fuck all on that. That's four hundred bucks a week, man. Like, you know, know even back know. then, it was still, it was still not enough, and I wasn't seeing it. But now it's it's hard for parents. Like, if you're a, if you're a young bodyboarder and you got mum and dad, and they can't see a tour, they can't see any magazines, they can't see any major sponsors or a pathway to send their kids. Of course, they're going to buy the kids a footy or some soccer boots, or let alone, there we go, a surfboard, you know, because that's, you know, a pair of soccer boots is 100 bucks. And Man, why do you think the WSL and the bodyboarding fraternities yeah. are failing? You know, because obviously the well, I think the WSL is saying they're failing. I, think that's a, I don't think that's true. I think that's a bit of a cry, crying poor act. I think, I think the surf industry is actually doing really well. Yeah, I think so. It's a way to garner support. Um, and it's clearly a growing sport. Like, and but do you think with the cost of travels and imports and exports, with all their goods and moving their equipment and carrying a team around the world, that maybe the budget's blowing out? Just because, you know, I I totally get you, and I know the surf industry and the bodyboard industry has had a very fruitful couple of years in regards to sales. Have never been better because obviously COVID struck everyone at home, and they were picking up hobbies and and focusing on outdoor activities and kind of centering themselves at home with leisure activities in mind. You know, it's just weird to think that. that but think, but think about it. Think about it. They've got a major sponsor that pays for the prize money and for the production. So, so you know, where's the, where's the prop? The profits there. Like it's it's anyone. I think if you dug deep, you could see that the WSL maybe is not making. But what a lot are of they profiting off it? But what? But what? But how is the WSL profiting? Because obviously we're talking profiting. about this to think about setting up something within yeah, body. I know the IBC is doing a good job, but to be able yep. to mirror a so 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 called successful side of the um, water sport well, industry would be really good. No. Yeah, totally. I'd lo- I would love to see the WBL, you know, the World Bodyboard League. You know, I've always wanted to see that. I'm a massive supporter of competition, and like listening to your podcast with Mitch, 
and I've always known his passion for competitive bodyboarding. Like, you just want to fucking wrap a tour around that guy, you know, like anything to just get that guy back <laughs> yeah. in competition, you know, like, um, and Ryan as well. Like, these guys want to compete at a high level. And, like, well, again, look at Jeff. Like, Jeff being 47, some of the biggest airs we've ever seen. And the sweetest, sweetest man. And, you know, like, we're not, like, we've only got a short window. Like, I reckon Mitch and Ryan, five to 10 years, you know. I know Mike's but, doing it at 50, like, and that, that, that Mike's a bit of an anomaly, but, you know, and Mitch and Ryan, they'll be anom- anomalies too, but we've only got a window to get these guys back on board. So, look. But what would you suggest to actually get younger people into the sport, Tiger? Like, ha- you know, you, you're heavily involved in the surf industry, man. Like, let's just lay it out there. You're, you, you have worked with some of the most impressive people within the surf industry and some of the biggest names. Like, you know, Red Bull alone and, and filming that um, – you know, and help help him produce that movie there for the Leroy um, Bella. Yep, uh, it was insane, man. You, you know what I mean? So, like, you see what's going on on the other side of the lens. Yep. What can be mirrored? What can be taken? Why is there grassroots surfing and not so much bodyboarding to fix the so-called gap we're talking about? Well, it's a, it's a kind of a touchy subject, but there's a couple of reasons. I, I, I do think that... Oh, I don't want to sound like I don't want to like write off my friends, but I feel like there's too many bodyboarders that are in business, probably. Um, but I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like I think Dave and Ben, amazing job, and they're good businessmen. Same with Toby, um, they're good businessmen. You know, like they know, but they're bodyboarders at heart. You know, so they want to kind of look after themselves, but and look after people as well. But their primary concern is to build their business, and whereas a businessman and don't take that the wrong way okay boys i'm, I'm talking if you're listening I'm, I'm you know how much i love you i just think that um and i and you do run great brands don't get me wrong and i know that the support this is a sport look at me here like backpedaling um i guess i think we need some more business minds in the sport but then you could say that about glenn taylor who came in and then kind of came and raped and pillaged the sport so and he was a businessman so i might not be fully right i think I'm not sure what it is, Luke. It's like it's a bit of a fucking unicorn. Like it's hard to put your finger on. I do so think, I think the surf industry needs to wrap its arm around bodyboarding again because that's how we did so well. If you look at Quickie, Bong, alone, they, you know, they supported like Billabong was everything. Um, you know, like if you didn't have a Billabong ready for a few years there, you weren't a booger. Like, you know, it was just like you had to have that oscillator. Um, I remember yeah, sure, back yeah, to Ryan. how famous like, was that, those colours, that oscillator. That Ryan Maddock bought a fucking extra large oscillator and he's a medium just because it was like only baby blue. Like that's how fucked up we were by it. So like, <laughs> I think surfing and it might be coming around and that's the great thing that drag's done. It has kind of crossed the lines and, you know, the, o- Oki posted that thing the other day and he made a bit of a joke like the frog jumped out of his flipper and he kind of had a stab at bodyboarding saying we're frogs. That's how I saw it. I'm, I might look into things a little bit more, but this that, that 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 mentality is breaking, but it needs to break further. But I honestly reckon the only way that bodyboarding is probably going to go to that level again is if surfing gets around bodyboarding again. Like if Billabong just went, fuck it, we're going to sponsor a couple of guys, think what would happen. Like think if, Liam, if Billabong's thought, Liam Lucas and thought, yep, we're going to get behind this kid um, immediately. Like we would see a rise in the sport because because then they can buy ad space and then we can buy then we can do magazines and then kids see magazines and then they want to get in the magazines and then the magazines then 
and start an appetite for competitiveness and then we start to see competition again. And we've got all these yeah. great heads around. And I think it's great that we've got some successful companies in bodyboarding that are run by bodyboarders. I think that's a really healthy thing. So I wasn't taking away from what those boys are doing. I just think we need some bigger corporate support. Um, and I tried. Like when I brought back movement in 2016, I tried. Like, I, But there was this conflict between me and Ben where Ben wanted movement to stay pure bodyboarding. And was, I was it like, 2016 or 2014? Sorry, 14. Yep, 2014. Yep, yep. nice pick up. Um, and Ben said, no, it's a bodyboard mag tag. And I thought, but bodyboarders are more than bodyboarders, Ben. Like, like let's bring music. Like, let's bring Yamaha into it. Like, we're music. We love music. Like, let's bring that. I, I tried Vegemite, Coca Cola. Like, I tried. I wanted to make bodyboarding big again. You know, I like because it gave me so much. But then it also took some from me too. But in this, it gave me a lot more than it took from me. And I was like, bodyboarding's not where it's at. I could almost see the demise happening. Like, repeals on the way out. Dead, but movement was dead. Like I fully revived that thing with money and time. La Boogie was on its way out. Like we, and then like we had three magazines coming out every month, two months for a while there. Like it was fucking off its head, you know. Like bodyboarding, there was so much to bodyboard for. There was so much to live for. Like there was there was constantly troops going on. There was constantly just excitement. And the tour was popping for a while too before Glenn fucked it, you know. But he kind of made it and then fucked it. So what do you what do you say about that, you know? Um, yeah, it builds it up and strips it away like the creator and then the, the destroyer. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, well, it's a real well, conundrum, that one, huh? It's a conundrum, but I feel like we've kind of unpacked it a little bit. Um, so it's not like we're just in the dark after that After that question. There just needs to be, I think, I think they've really, like if WSL just thought, fuck it, we're going to do WBL and start a World Bodyboard League and then a few, few brands get behind it guys might think, oh, that make bodyboarding not cool anymore. It's like, oh, fuck, like whatever. Like it doesn't matter if like bodyboarding will always be cool, but let's get some guys paid. Like let's get some fucking young guys to realise their potential. Like you give fucking Liam Lucas. Sorry, I feel like I'm swearing heaps now, but maybe I'm just getting passionate. But No, no, I'm backing it, man. you got an open slab on this podcast. Let me tell yeah, you, my open, tongue is Open dirty. slab. <laughs> open slab. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Open big well, white hole. More, I, keep, I, I feel like I'm ref- referencing him just because Liam's kind of like that, that, that bodyboard that you would get behind. But give that guy a hundred grand and see what he'd do for the year, you know? And if you're listening, Liam, like that, you, we've talked about this. Like, it's like, there's only so much you can do with nothing, you know, like, and yeah, but yeah we just, that's you, the whole problem with bodyboarding, man. You know, you, you, you yeah. speaking very, very clear minded business sense and, and the ethos with your, with your point being stated is so true. It's like, Hey, it needs to be a broader market. It needs to infiltrate into that space where brands can support it. So it, it looks not so much mainstream, but, Yep. A known accepted sport. It's a healthy thing to do. Right now it's out on the fringes. You know what I mean? The skateboarding's kind of conquered yeah. it. Yep. Surfing's conquered it. Snowboarding, skiing, all these different extreme sports have conquered it. But we're still too core. And I think that's the problem, you know. Like you, you can see why Harry and Noz enjoy um, a booger's company so much out of Throaty Reef is because – they're doing it for that core reason and they're not willing to sell their soul, which a lot of the surf industry, in my humble opinion, I don't want to eat my words, but at times feels like they could sell their soul for a buck because it's a business. And, and I respect that, but also mm-hmm. at the same time, it's hard with the inner bodyboarding inside me going, 
no, 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 no. You're, you're doing it for the love, not to get a dollar, you know? Yeah, no, that's a really fair point. And I think you made a good point there too. Like it is a business, like even a fucking police station is a business. Like a police station will have less breathos and less drug tests on hand because it costs every time they do that. Like, so if we're talking about a state-owned company is already a business, then we need to possibly make bodyboarding more of a business. Um, you know, Mick Parkhill was actually pretty pretty good for bodyboarding for a long time. Like I don't really know what happened there, but like BSC did a lot for bodyboarding. Um, all the board stores do. Like like Toby carried bodyboarding for quite a while too, you know, and world bodyboards. We've got to give Julio ups. I know Julio kind of, for lack of a better term, fucked over a few guys, but he's also done a lot for the sport, man. Like. He is paid. He paid guys properly for a long time, even when he couldn't afford it, you know. And he paid me for a few years, probably when he couldn't afford it, like good money to to to, to work with his riders. Excuse me again. So, um, you know, there's always a strength in these guys that get written off because businessmen typically get more written off. Like no one's writing off Ben and Winnie for the, the businesses they're doing, and they've got no reason to write them off. But once someone starts to get businessy and starts to think bigger and more corporate you start to get written off and it comes back to the tall poppy syndrome in Australia, which I hate, but. It's pretty prevalent though, isn't it? It's pretty out there. That's me and Coops, when we're in pools, man, just having a yarn and and when we're obviously not jackhammering, we haven't got goddamn earphones on. Um, That's, we reference that all the time. Tall poppy is such a big thing. You can see it everywhere. You can see it in the media. You can see it on Instagram. You can see it in group chats. It's it's insane. It's embedded in our culture. Yeah, and that's the great thing about America. It's really lacking over there in the best way possible. Like the times I've spent in the States, you'd, you'd, you'd fire up an idea with someone and the next day you're getting like four messages of how to get your idea going. And I think that's what's bred such an incredible amount of performance over there. Um, look, everyone's going to write off people if they're doing better. It's just, it's just, it's kind of like this human nature. But there's a part in America that is a lot less than Australia. Like people get behind people there, whereas in Australia it's really hard to get people behind what you're doing. Um, and, yeah, I've definitely been cut down and ridiculed and criticised in, in parts because when you put yourself out there and want to do great things, people want to cut that down, you know. But that also then breeds a type of progression as well because then you start to use that negativity as fuel. But in bodyboarding, it's so small that you can't, we can't afford to be ripping people down because there's fuck all to rip down. So if we've only got like a part, half the building, so we've only got like foundations, which is like trad bodyboarding, which is like really good technical stuff, and then we start to put like a floor in and some fucking walls up, and then they get torn down. Like it's like we need to be careful with how much we write off each other because it, it's it's not healthy, but um, I guess back to back to bodyboarding being cool. That's kind of what makes it cool as well, and I think that's what drag's done. It's it's made the fringe awesome. And I remember Aussie Wright. I worked with him. Get to work with Aussie a bit, but he came and stayed at my house about two years ago, and he just said, "How fucking cool is bodyboarding? Like those drag vids are just the best thing ever." And like Aussie Wright would probably never have said that shit, you know, back in the day. Even though he would have served with Ben, being from the Northern Beaches. Ben's kind of like the – Ben's almost like a, a, a Michael um, Stewart. Like everyone loves Mike, even if you fucking like body surfed or longboarding. And Ben's kind of like that too. Everyone loves Ben. It doesn't matter. So he kind of – he's Ben has actually transcended bodyboarding. Ben's bigger than bodyboarding. So – but, yeah, it, it, there's something cool about it being this trad sport. It's underground and 
you know, there's no money and it's just like guys just charging. But then no one gets paid. You know, there's no sport. There's no ongoing progression. You know, and you're going to get short spurts of progression. But it was 10 years ago, there was a bunch of guys on 100 plus, 150, 200, and then a bunch of guys on 50 to 100. So it's like there's guys there that can actually create a life and then tell their friends there's a, a way for you. And at the moment, we're just not seeing that. But I really do like your positivity and the fact that you're looking at it like we don't know when it's going to come um, because it's these types of conversations and it's guys like that want to see the sport rise. Um, is It'll happen, but I, I tried really hard. You know, I tried, I tried really hard for quite a long time and I saw some progression, but I just couldn't get it to where it wanted to be. And then... To feel like you've got to be a burnout and feel like you're just putting all your time and yeah, effort and all that, your rewards. I felt that. I felt that. But, um, and I did burn out, but I burned out for a number of reasons. But that was that was part of it. But Ben was always really good at, at honouring me. Um, you know, he said movement, you know, would never have come back without you, stuff like that. And even though movement's kind of plateaued right now and it's on a hiatus, um, there's, again, Ben was just an honourable guy. But me and Ben have been in screaming matches together. I remember driving home from Sydney about you know a year into me at movement and then Ben just I was, I was I remember I can still remember it clear as day I was on the climb of Ben's and we were actually yelling at each other on the phone and it was just a bit it was kind of just business like that happens like when you go into business with people but I remember him yelling at me and when Ben yells it's fucking scary and I just remember yelling back at him but um we were just both passionate and I was just trying to take movement somewhere else my suggestion was let's start Australian bodyboarder make it a monthly magazine, trad as you get, and even gossipy and even like just fucking make up some shit. Like when John John, when they made up that John John and Taylor Swift are seeing each other, like John John's stocks went through the fucking roof. Like, and it's just a little bit of a rumour and it's just harmless, you know, like, and John John's manager said, if anyone asks you about Taylor, don't say it's not on, you know, don't say that no, no, no. So John just kind of played along with it. And his stocks went through the roof and, and, and surfing and surfing rose from just one small thing. So I was like, make Australian bodyboarder, core bodyboarding monthly, and then make movement a biannual thing that's music, surfing. Like in that first movement we brought back, we had surf I had surfers in there talking about bodyboarding. You know, I was trying to I was trying to make movement because look at the name movement, like it means more than bodyboarding. You know, and I was trying to make it this thing that maybe it was never gonna work, right? Maybe I was maybe I wasn't right. <laughs> But I think that we had an opportunity there to to bring in some big brands to a really premier magazine because what Murray Bell, Jethro Lyons, Ben Player did with movement was just beautiful, wasn't it? Like we had Rippy that was just like almost like porn, right? Like it's just like fucking shot after shot after shot, just amazing top of the line shit. Like porn's probably not the best analogy for it. But but movement was then this almost like, French yeah, Wild, it was like, visual gorging. I know what Rippy was like. It was just yeah, yeah. visual gorge, yeah. But movement was almost like a European French kind of like those soft porn shit, you know, where it, like it's just like beautiful shots and you never really see anything. But they don't really work. But I mean, movement was something fresh and different. So I felt like we had an opportunity to take it somewhere else. And then the boogie it was, was and movement probably represented something a little bit more sophisticated and cultured at the time, where Riptide was more core bodyboarding that focused on just core industry matters um, and and just provided so much content. I, I can remember opening up Riptide and just seeing all the state news, you know, all the, the different oh, the state trips. news. 
that I was like his debut piece of read. It was just so informative, and it's exactly what you're kind of talking about right there and then with that magazine idea that could have you know branched out of the yeah, Australian bodyboarder. And then I found out that Mitch owns Australian bodyboarder. He owns the rights to it, you know. And then Mitch and Ben were kind of at heads about stuff, and you know, there's there's a bit of ego. I think the last three to four years, I think we've seen a lot of egos die um, because partly because of COVID, but I think there's been like a kind of a worldwide awakening in a way um, and people have dropped a lot of shit. But, yeah, there was a few years there where it was really fucking hard to get, you know, guys on the same page. But, yeah, anyway, that, that didn't really work out, So, which is sweet. And 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 at the moment we've got, you know, we've got these the, the, the two Elliots that have bought this magazine off Dave Threadgate and um, they've got you on board, which is always a strength to have. And, you know, we never know where Rupi's going to go. Like it's, I tried, I gave the boys some advice and, and, you know, they kind of took part of it, but it was probably, you know, I think they're probably trying to limit the amount of capital they're putting into the magazine, which is totally understandable. Like if I've, I've learned that you've got to hold, you know, you've got to keep, keep your money for yourself sometimes because you think it's going to come back, but it doesn't always. But I think the boys are... Um, the boys are on a good one and, and, you know, if Rippy, like I think what Rippy needs is the experiment to come back. Like I told this to the boys, like an under 35 experiment and an over 35 experiment and you could get that thing fully fucking crowdfunded. Like imagine saying here's 20 bodyboarders that are 35 plus, everyone vote on who you want and then, oh. get, and, and then we put a call out to crowdfund it. It's probably like a 25K trip so it's not even that much. The thing would get crowdfunded like that. And then we get like if you look at the thirty-five to fifty-year-old in our in our sport, oh man, it is just such a real market, eh? You and meat, man. Yeah. And then you go and then you do the younger under thirty-fives, and that's fucking solid too. So I think an experiment over thirty-fives and under thirty-five experiment would go along, and then you could create a full magazine on that. Like that would again be a spark, but um, yeah, that you could really launch off that. That's an epic project. Or just. Yeah. Talking about that, Tiger, you've really got my, my mind ticking. Who would you have yep. on the over 35s if you had, say, five oh, spots man. available? Holy shit. This, I feel like that's just going to be my top five. So that, that's, and that's like, I feel like that's hard. So it's Mitch and Ryan straight up, and then Winnie and Ben, you know, like, but then, but then you guys like Michael and Grizz and, and Gorners, they're over 35 too. So, I, I, I'm not going to answer that question. Like, it's, it's, it's like, I just loaded, it. eh? It's, it's too loaded. It's too loaded. Yeah, it's too loaded. I would want the people to decide, you know. But um, like Mitch is a no-brainer, and Ryan's a no-brainer, I think. Uh, and then the rest are up for discussion. You could say that Ben and Winnie are probably no-brainers too, but I think it's it's up for discussion. But look, man, like that's that's a stacked market. Like Jake, Nick. I know. Are you going back on that raw blood clip, man? Talking about Ben and Winnie mm. just being staples in, and Ben featuring heavily in that clip. How yep. wild was his ability to do air, 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 reverses, air reverses out of the bowl out and bowl, into yeah. the flats at Aussie yeah. Pipe, man? Like he had that wave on lock and key, eh? Almost had it onto lock and key, like it became a bit predictable. Um, but that's that's me just going to my hypercritical brain. Like it's a fucking beautiful thing to watch, man. And, yeah, I'm so stoked to be able to shoot him at that wave because – it's just flawless boogan, you know, like it's just beautiful boogan. Um, you know, I think Mitch surfs that wave really good too, but I think Mitch surfs every wave well. It would have been nice to see Ryan at that wave a bit more, but, yeah, that's Ben's wave. You know, that's Ben's left. Like it's as simple as that. Like you fucking just had the thing 
just how clean he was on his car reverses out there. It was just, yeah. just I almost kind of got lost in the thought then. Um, Dude, because I was actually just, yeah, me too, yeah. funnily enough, and thinking about that section, you obviously had such, you know, critical music for his section. Not so much in, like, fast-pacedness, but just critical to the way he was surfing. And then that last yeah. part of Ben's section with the calves. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. I really like Beneath. I don't, I, it's got taken down now because I went private on Vimeo a year ago because I just wanted to re-strategize a few things. But uh, Beneath was a really special project to me. I've had a lot of people message me about that movie. I had a guy message me about Beneath um, and just say, man, that's my favorite movie ever. And like to hear that against like No Friends and Barnsley's movies is like a massive is a massive thing for me because I think like Stoker and Barnsley are the the, 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 the movie trad specialists. Um, I, I brought a different bit of a different flavor, and but yeah, I really liked Beneath, and the Ben section in Beneath is really cool, and it opens with a Martin Luther King narrative um, narration, which is really timely. Like, what does it say? We've um, we've learnt to fly the airs. Like, oh, I can't. I'm not going to try and do the quote now, but it's a really powerful quote. But I wanted to do Beneath too, but call it Ben Beneath Playouts, but like C B E N Player Beneath. I've always had a thing for words and trying to match shit up. But, um, yeah, again, that kind of came at a time where there's just no money. And, I, you know, you do this. I did Beneath off my own back, you know. Um, shout out to Sully Vision for Beneath. He helped a lot. Um, he shot some stuff and Sully had that red camera before anyone had it. Um, and I just yeah, got the Yeah, so Sully's, you know, Sully was awesome. He was a real goer and um, he helped a lot with Beneath. Um, and Royal Blood, shout out to Toby, you know, he funded that entire thing. I remember we did a one-day trip to fucking South Oz for Monies. Like, you know, that was kind of trad, you know, when you'd go somewhere for one day. Well, I guess it's not trad, but it is. I guess it's actually so Oh, it definitely is, man. Dude, yeah. people are not travelling 12 to 24 hours in a day, and I'm serious when yeah, I say that. Like, around the clock, you just take shifts with people and drive halfway across Australia, like that—that's insane to some people. That is Toby. Yeah, yeah, Toby's always been really generous, you know, and uh, he's not a whole like he just—he's done well at bodyboarding, but he's always shared it around, and um, and I'm really thankful for that. But thing with Tobes and that movie was that yeah, we went there for that one day, and then like we thought we might get a second day, which we didn't. We ended up surfing the left around the corner from Monty's the next day, but we weren't expecting that when we only got the morning out of it. Like it was one day. Mm -hmm. And then, too small, the left the next day? Yeah, it was Yeah, it was literally just a quick west swell. Um, so it was really good for a couple of other waves. But then I remember we went to dinner that Arvo. So I got there the night, woke up, surfed all day, got the morning session, drove back to Adelaide, and I was with Jones Russell, Chase Finlay. And Jones is a fucking great bodyboarder, man. He's another really good bodyboarder. Like, it's Port Mac, right? Like, and oh, breeds, you know, mate. Just breeds champions. Josh Tabone, fantastic photographer. Um, like, yeah, oh, they're all, great. there's a lot, there's a lot of meat, there's a lot of meat in Port Mac, but. Um, King. Yep. Um, Charlie Schrader, Holt. Charlie Holt. Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett, fantastic. Chase O'Leary is a fucking great bodyboarder. Like really yeah, good. Too. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Larrikin. And then. Well, at the like this is when I was hyper obsessive, and we went back to a, a dinner, and Aussie Pipe was going to be good the next day, and I was so hyper focused. I remember, I remember. So Finlay hates Aussie Pipe. Like I reckon Finlay surfed Aussie Pipe 
less than five times. He just does not like that wave. Um, crowds, not enough meat, et cetera, et cetera. So got him, got, I, got, I got Finlay there, which was, you know, I was saying, you're coming to, you're coming to Aussie Pipe. And then Jones said to me, I don't think I'm going to go to Aussie Pipe, Tig. And I said to Jones Russell, word for word, if you don't come to Aussie Pipe tomorrow, I'm never going to shoot you again. <laughs> and I looked and then, back and then what did he say? Did his jaw drop? Yeah, he came. No, he came. Yeah, he came. Yeah, his jaw dropped. He fucking, like, he was floored by it. And it was like a flooring comment. Like, you know, that's... It's yeah, kind of that's serious yeah. shit, man. You don't it's know what's happening shit. right now. Yeah, that's trad, though. You know, that's like a trad film. Like, Bryce had that same fury. Um, Barnsley's a bit cruisier because Barnsley loves to edit. You know, great shooter, but, you know, his probably biggest strength is in the edit bay. Um, and he's a cruiser. Like, video I was just saying, hey, the ed- editing oh, video and the way videos. he edited for that time. Oh, brilliant. Just, I had a, brilliant, man. And your wave's in there, too, in video. If anyone wants to reference that thing, oh, just yeah, standing he, he, tall on the outer reef. He missed my best one, like at Nuggan. I got a Did really good. Yeah, it was actually in my in bloom profile in Riptide. Um, I had the in bloom section, um, which was like a four page thing on like new guys that are in bloom. And Nick Lawrence did it on me. And my friend Luke Caesar, my best mate, probably Luke Caesar, who married my sister. Um, he shot a mental sequence of water from water from it. I was actually on a four-play bodyboard that I took off rice that was a JG custom. Jared Gibson is probably the best shaper ever, I reckon. Yeah. But, yeah, Barnsley missed it. I came in and he's like, I missed it. And that happens. Like, But then I went to video that night. Oh, this is a bit of a spicy story. All right, I'll tell it. Um, yeah, let it yeah. out of the hat. Let it out of the bag, <laughs> actually, thank you. It's not as bad as I thought. I just, I just kind of recapped it. I'm like, actually, not too bad. Um, but yeah, I remember pinning it to the premiere from Aladala. I just had my peas. So I was like 19. I had my peas for a year or something. I hadn't, I think I was reds or greens. I don't I remember, but I was doing 120. Got pulled over at Fowler's exit, like near Dapto. And cops were like, yeah. done. I'm like, okay, I'm done. So I called my mates. They came and raced down and got me. Um, I just actually signed. I don't know if I even signed. I don't think it was signed. was a thing back there. I think I might have. I think I signed with, Todd, with, with QCD. Not money, just like eight boards a year, like pretty good. Um, yeah, and got the, good. got the video premiere and then I was there with this chick from school and she introduced me to her friend and I was just on fire that night, I guess, like the, just, yeah, I don't know, I just, I even just losing my license, I just kind of felt free or whatever, but um, ended up going back to her place. That's a story we don't need to get into. It's just stock standard, but um, it was pretty exciting because she was amazing. But I remember, and then I, and then I heard Virgins was going to be the next good the next day. This is trad, and I got her to drop me off to my car. I think when you lose your license, you don't lose it immediately. I think I had like thirty days, so I grabbed my car and I drove it to Virgins, and I paddled out Virgins by myself. And then about half an hour later, oh, we're not naming names, are we? Oh, that that wave's so blown anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone knows Virgins. Yeah, kind of the best wave, but yeah. And then yeah, I just remember going to get my car that. I'd left on the side of the highway because I was speeding and to get out to Virgins in the afternoon. And then, yeah, Toby and Ben paddled out that afternoon. I was on a poly pro though. And this is probably a whole nother conversation, but I was so fucking off that, that, that call, you know, like it didn't suit me. Like I just grown up with Dow and I just, everything was about Dow for me and kind of everything still is kind of about Dow, but now I'm starting to think that maybe not, um, not for me. Just, I remember that you were saying that Mitch, did Mitch say that he's done with Dow? Did you say that? Yeah, yeah, he actually yeah. did. I, I was quite surprised in the potty. I thought, well, you know, I, I think his his point and take on it was that can't source it, can't find it's it, yet. and exactly. he's just adapted to 
Holy yep. Pro, and he's actually enjoyed it. He's been riding a bat tail for the last five years or so, which I didn't realize also. And, and it's kind of changed my um, my idea on what I should be riding also. You get so set in your ways, you need a little kick in the bum sometimes. Yeah, I guess so. I just I just remember not being able to bodyboard on Polypro um, personally. and oh, I was yeah. talking more about bat tail, sorry. Oh, sure. I, I, I completely understand. It's horses for courses when it comes to cause, especially maybe for your frame too, Tiger, like, you, yeah. you've, you've got such a big one that the core uh, the dow sorry sat so nice underneath you and really you wouldn't struggle to generate speed because once you get going on a wave of consequence you've got some some meat behind you so to speak you've got a frame that's a fair call man that's a really fair call um i just think dow allows you to feel the wave more and you can kind of see when someone's riding dow like it's just got a different look yeah. but you don't really get to see it anymore because it's not around and it was actually made to pack out shipping containers so pe polyethylene was i had a big chat about mez i had a big chat to mez about it about three months ago like just like a half an hour tech session you know just like bang 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 and i was just getting these big chunks of meat off mez because i was like can we get some dow because i thought let's just like bring out 500 boards of dow you know and call a dow like just call the brand dow um and just have like a limited amount of them but he's like it's not there man like it's it used to get packed out in shipping containers between the the two bits of steel, that's what it was used for. And then they changed ethylenes. They went to polypropylene for that. Um, mm. And then so what do you do? Like it wasn't made for bodyboarding. It was made Isn't for that crazy? Is, is yeah, this it's a crazy. little subculture yeah. of, a, of some know. industrial <laughs> product that we're just, yeah. it's spawned and now it's, it's, it's dying and withering away? Now it's gone and it's gone. But Rion's got Dow apparently. But um, Really? Yeah. What? He's, he's got on ice somewhere. Oh, that's just that. that Dave Fox and Ryan Maddock have got this call. They're like, Rion's got Dow. Like, who's got Dow? But, and I remember seeing Rion last month in Byron. and I, I was leaving the car park in Bruns and I just yelled out, Rion's got Dow. But <laughs> and did he look back? Was he like, fuck off? Yeah, he had a good laugh. But I lost. <laughs> I had this Dow board. I had a Glen, like one of Glenn Thurston's board, a JG Custom, and I lost it two months ago, like the day before my birthday. This is a cool way to end this potty, actually, because I've got to wrap it up. But um, I actually don't have to wrap it up, but I should. Um, so, and this comes back to learners, which is one of, one of my first loves, you know, like um, I just don't reckon many people can stomach more than 90 minutes, unfortunately. Like some people will get through to this, but, and anyone that's still listening, hats off to you. Um, but yeah, so I went, I've been shooting learners heaps, loved that way, fell in love with it when I was like 18, used to go down by myself and surf it and that's all well and good, but been shooting it again quite a bit lately because I'm, I'm Torquay based now, I'm moved to Melbourne three and a half years ago and then we got a house in Torquay a year ago um so I'm like five minutes from Bells Beach I love Victoria because you get the seasons like New South Wales life is amazing and I fucking miss home so much you know I was in Aladulla for 11 years and I missed it to death um but my wife wanted to change we wanted a different school for our kid there was a few things we just wanted to change and the great thing about Vico is you get all the seasons you know like you get autumn you get winter fuck you get winter and then you really get summer and stuff too and spring. So I love um, my personality is a bit like that in a way. Like I'm quite, I've got a lot of, of personality in me. I'm a big personality. Like I know that. So because suits me, but um, being down to that wave and just falling in love again with it as a filmer. And I was like, I went down there on the 20th of September. Um, so what is it? It's the 6th of December today. So that's, that's, so it's like two and a half months. And I had the bodyboard on the ski and I never do that, you know, like I, I'm, if I'm shooting, I'm shooting, you know, and I probably only bodyboard once every couple of months. 
and every now and then I'll take out a soft surfboard. Surfing is like number five on my list. But I do want to bring it up again. I've actually got I've got some dreams and some fire in my belly to get to get another couple of big slabs. But I thought this might be the start of it. So I took and when I'm shooting learners, I'm really get I'm really getting paid for that. You know, like I'm down there with a few crew, local crew, and then some guys might blow in. But I'm just doing it because I love the joint and it's only a fucking two hour drive, you know? And I know it like the back of my hand. So I was out there shooting off the ski and then went real critical like a ski driver fisher his name is and shout out to sam logan too from um warnable absolutely love sam and he's he's one of my best friends now and he's just an absolute hog and a pirate um he can just stay on the water all day and yeah he's just one of those guys that you know he's got you back on land or on water um but had the had the trad had the fucking dow trad on the ski went got critical on this wave man went over the ski i actually got launched off the ski I didn't have flippers on and I didn't have a leash on the board because I never have a leash on the board on my fins. I reckon that's the way to do it, by the way. Um, and then I was in semi in the impact zone with a housing, no flippers. The board was like 15 metres away from me and then a set came. I actually had to go under the site like a set, not not like a full-blown set on the head, but like just off to the side set, not in the, not, not the washery section, not in the keyhole, like actually on the reef. Because when you're shooting in the keyhole there on the ski, like you're right in there. And then I had a choice. I was like, that's me board there. That's me dow board. Like the only dow board I know of is there and I've got no flippers or I'm going to get absolutely wailed. And I actually had to go under a wave without flippers. Now, when you've got a housing trying to go under a wave, it's so frightening because you don't have that power behind you. And I, I got the full on, we you know when you get under that bubble and, and, it, and it wobbles you like a, like a like a snake i got that full-on snake wobble like woof, woof, from the top from the top of my head to to my feet just got under it and then my dow board was gone you know like so i lost that dow board and i was kind of thinking and then i did a big mushroom trip that night not massive but like pretty big um it was my the night before my birthday we had a bunch of these fresh mushrooms and i'd like kind of yeah i kind of felt like is that the ocean telling me to give it away. Like I'm not a massive everything happens for a reason guy. I'm actually kind of against that. Um, and I'm not a massive karma guy either. You know, like this is an accidental world we live in and we kind of got to take ownership of our own shit. But I'm also spiritual as well. So, and I believe in God. But um, there I was in the middle of fucking learners just taking, just having that choice of what where, where to go. And I chose safety and I chose life. <laughs> I chose I chose my camera housing as opposed to going for the trad and, I think a part of me that night when I was on the shrooms, I was kind of like, is that is that the ocean saying, like, give it away, Ty? Because I really wanted to get a big hog that day, regardless filmed or not, probably wanted to get filmed. I just feel like um, it just would be nice to have that documented. And then I thought I'll, tack, I'll tackle that wave on the south coast again, that one that I got that massive one and got that two-wave hold down. And I thought maybe I'll get a few more slabs, but I don't even, like, again, I don't think everything happens for a reason, so I don't think that was the ocean saying that, but it was maybe just a, a bit of a a bit of a highlight, like maybe you're not ready because, again, what made me quit bodyboarding was I'm sponsored by foreplay. My contract was slowly going up, but my shoulder kept popping out. So when I was like 13, I jumped over a fence at Bermagui Primary. I was at Naruma High by then, but we used to play basketball at Bermagui Primary, and I jumped over the fence and my shoulder clipped, sorry, my, my foot clipped the fence as I was jumping over it, and I came down on my shoulder and mum being my mum that she is, who's kind of just a bit of a whimsical hippie in a way, 
was kind of like, oh, you'll be right, you know, but I knew, like I popped my shoulder out for probably like 30 seconds and then it went back in, but that haunted mm. me my entire career. Like my shoulders probably popped out 15 times. I remember I was on a trip to WA with Kingy for foreplay and he made me laugh so hard that my shoulder popped out, you know. No um, way. Yeah, seriously, I was on the bottom bunk cracking up from Kingy's stupidity and, yeah, my shoulder popped out. Um, it oh, would pop man. out. It really Ligaments there, right? That's that's yeah. insane. I wasn't able to do rolls on rights. I, I popped my shoulder out when I was surfing lunas by myself, and when I got washed up onto the rocks, it popped back in. Like just the worst shit was happening to me, and I was like, "This is fucked." Like, and then I had a thirst to you know get into business and actually make some money. You know, like twenty years old, you kind of got that crossroads. Like, okay, I'm not as good as Novi. I'm never going to be as good as them. Um, I can't surf for longer than four hours. I'm not going to get paid that much. My shoulder keeps popping out. You know, it was just like I remember a clear crossroads and I actually moved in. I paid a rent. I paid my rent on a place in, um, what's it called? It's just next to Zetland. Um, anyway, it's just like near Surrey Hills and I moved in with my chick then at the time and I actually left like my mate was still in the place and I actually left my bodyboards at the place and never came back to get them and I had like four really good customs. Like I was just like, that's it. I'm done with it, you know. Like I was like, this isn't for me anymore. And I just like had a clean break from it, you know. And I didn't, I didn't talk or look or f- do anything with bodyboarding for like five years. And then it was watching those marine layer productions with Dane Reynolds that, um, yeah, got me back into bodyboarding and and kind of even though he's a surfer, it just kind of got me frothing again. And then I moved down to the south coast and yeah, I guess the rest is semi history. I'm just a trade enthusiast and. Will always love the sport and will always do what I can for the sport. And um, yeah, yeah, love you guys. That was sick. Thanks so much, Luke. Oh, happy days, Tiger Man. A true disciple of the sport, man. What a nice way to wrap it up. Beautiful sign off. Awesome, man. Thanks so much, brother. Happy days, Tiger Man. I really appreciate it. No, is that good? Oh, dude, that was was bloody amazing, bro. We covered so many topics. Yeah, send me the send me the copy. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. We're, we're we're actually pretty sure we're still recording right now. All right, sick. All right. Well, definitely got me straight away. Emailed on the fucking go, bro. Thanks everyone for um, listening, and thank you, Luke. And you know, I really appreciate and honour the person that you are in bodyboarding. And I think you're a great bodyboarder. I love the way you, where you sit on the wave, and I, I love the way you look at the leap and stuff. And um, yeah, just a big shout out to all the Cronulla boys. You know, that's two two three oh that's fucking as trad as it gets really at the end of the day. So big shout out to you boys. Um Cheers, big shout out to Brendo too. Brendo's always been an inspiration of mine. And that news that I was telling you about, I'm actually starting a podcast next year called Landercast. Which, yeah, which is gonna be cool. I'm excited about it. Um What's it going to feature like, around? What's it go? You know what I mean? I'm going to go fairly Joe Rogan on it, like, and that sounds ridiculous, but I'm yes. not going to have an audience. I'm going to kind of bring in as many different people as I can. Like, I want to bring in, yeah, like fucking scientists, filmmakers, musicians, bodyboarders, filmmakers, photographers, just people that are interesting and people that want to chat. Um, yeah, so, there's so many people out there that are so interesting. Everyone's got a story to tell in, in you know, positive ways, negative ways. There's just so many things to fucking learn, man. It's incredible. Every time I have a conversation, you know, yeah. when, and when I was in positive and negative, I, I mean, you know, from a negative experience, learning something positive and sometimes from a positive experience, learning something negative. It's just in, insane the different ways you view things and, and all the information that trickles over, you know, 
over your over your desk from time to time. It's 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 honestly the best way. It's the best way to communicate. And I, I probably do sound like Joe Rogan here promoting podcasting so much, but it 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 honestly is because you can have you know a ninety nine minute conversation. Like you can sit <laughs> down and nut things out and really yeah. get to the crux of it and get some meat off the bone. Like get some meat between your fucking teeth and have a go. You know where you get. Five second fucking you know media clips, yeah. man, or like thirty second grabs, and you know you, you know the yeah. industry oh, oh so well. Like I'm sure you've been asked to do plenty of them because you fucking have to do things at certain times to to get people's attention. It's all a yeah. it's all a merry go round, isn't? It? I could go on for days. I won't go on too much of a rant anymore. But thank you for coming on the show, Tiger, and I fucking appreciate your time, man. Not a not a worry at all, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You're you're a good podcaster, and yeah, look forward to having you on mine one day, Luke. Peace and love, brother. Yeah, dude. It was all a pipe dream, watching bodyboarding up on TV, deep at reef, watching tension repeats, eating bakery feeds.